So hi, everybody. My name is Jeanette Wu Chichen. I'm the Director of Enrollment Management and Community Engagement at Marlboro. What we are going to do is go through some of the questions that you submitted in advance of tonight's event. Um, we took some of them that were most common, and I'm going to share them with some of our colleagues, which again means, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to take questions from the audience. However, it doesn't mean that your question won't be answered. You can always email us at admissions at marble.org with anything that happens to be on your mind. And I can either send it out to one of my colleagues or we'll make sure that we get that answer and get back to you. So without further ado, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm gonna ask my colleagues to introduce themselves, share the department they teach in, the number of years that they've been teaching at Marlboro and some of the other hats that they currently wear or have worn while they've been in our community. So. Mabel Wong, I'm going to have you start first. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Jeanette. Um, my name is Mabel Wong, and I am the head of the history department. I teach uh, ninth grade history, and I also teach seniors. Um, I, this is my fourth year at Marlboro, and I'm also one of the faculty advisors for EAST, which is our API student affinity group. Thanks, Mabel. Sandra? Hi, I'm Sandra Batieta. I am a Spanish instructor at Marlboro. I teach AP Spanish and Spanish 3. And I am, uh, I've been at Marlboro for 21 years. And I um, am also the 10th grade dean. And I also advise two clubs. Thanks, Sandra. Kenichi. Hello, everyone. Good evening. My name is Kenichi Charles. I am a science instructor. I teach seventh grade exploring science one and anatomy and physiology in the upper school. Uh, I'm currently uh, the BIPOC internship program head and in the past, or I actually am still an affinity group advisor, but in the past, I've also been uh, a coach for athletics and probably some other things I'm forgetting. But Thanks, Kenichi. Okay, Brett. Hi everyone, I am Brett Quimby. Uh, I've been at Marlboro for 11 years. Uh, I teach in the English department and I also work as Dean of Student Life. Uh, so I help coordinate a lot of the events that happen uh, at campus. And it's really nice to be here with all of you. Thanks, Brett. And rounding us out, Melissa. Hey, I'm Melissa Bannister. I'm the math department chair. I have been here since 2007. I also facilitate a lot of the math contests that we do, um, the AMC, the CMLs, there's a lot of different ones that math counts, you may have heard of that one. Thanks, Melissa, great. Okay, everybody, here we go. The first question is, how would you describe our students? Is there a common characteristic that you found in them? Or, and how do you get to know them? Go ahead, so, Sandra. So I would say um, our students are very motivated, they're inquisitive, um, and they are full of energy and, and really engaged in the day. They, they like being with each other, they like being in their classes, um, they make relationships with their teachers as well. They, it's not just about their friends, but it's also about the community. They get to know the people that work at Cafe M, um, so it's, it's a nice sense of community that they bring and really the energy level that they bring is amazing. Kanichi, you wanna to add to that? Sure, yeah, I would, I, 
I would like to add an adjective to that. I think um, I would describe um, a Marlboro student as just very creative and not just creative in the sense of being able to create like beautiful art or performances, but just also creative in the way that they're thinking and imagining possibilities and the way that they answer questions and the things that they think about. The creativity is just, there's so many facets to their creativity, I think, and I'm often inspired by it. Nice. Is there anything that you, any characteristic that you would say that our students need to thrive? Melissa? I would, I would say definitely being willing to reach out either on their own or with teacher encouragement. Like for a student to be successful here, um, the student really needs to be willing to go to their teacher, persevere, go back and put in the work on their own as well. But um, it really needs, it's really hard to not do that here. I mean, it's a very important part of the culture. And I would add uh, to go back to your question of uh, how do you get to know them? I think that that idea of thriving is a lot of those connections that they have with us as their teachers and advisors. Um, you know, I think about my 10th grade class that I teach right now, and I have two students and who I, I was their advisor for the last three years. So I got to know them in seventh grade and I was with them for three years. And then they're now in my 10th grade English class. So we're talking about American Lit and it's nice to be able to know them and have having sort of seen them grow up in this really cool way. Uh, and that I think what that leads them to do is be able to, to work with me on questions that they have uh, and to develop their skills. Yeah, Mabel. Yeah, just to add to all of that, I think another uh, characteristic is just a willingness and an enthusiasm to be part of the community and to par participate in community life. Um, I teach ninth grade and there are, we have a large number of new ninth graders and I can see the new ninth graders, um, those who, as, who just dive straight in and think about how they can bring their talents and their skills to the community to make us better, stronger, more inclusive. Um, and how those students, as they move up uh, the grade level, they actually create programs to help new students come in so that their uh, welcome into Marlboro is all the better. Yeah, you're, you're so right. That new student inclusion committee that those the students have created has been pretty great. Can I, can I add to that, Jeanette? Yeah, of course, of Sorry, course. I, don't, I, I, I like this question, uh, how do we get to know students? Because that's also one of my favorite parts about Marlboro is that community is so important here and we're afforded so many opportunities to get, the know, get to know students outside of the classroom, like as a whole person and, and let them know that we view them for more than just what they do in class and what their grades are. Like I will see my office faces the field and I can see like teachers throwing Frisbees around with students or playing soccer. We have opportunities to play with them to support them in their athletic events, to go see their, their performances and their shows. And they like to hang out in classrooms sometimes. And there's just so many opportunities to just kind of hang out with them and, and get to know them beyond um, a student in your classroom. Absolutely. One of the things that I've shared quite frequently in the parent guardian conversations is the benefit of being a small school and on one campus. And I you know, go back to what you said, Brett, being able to teach a student in the middle school and then seeing that student again as they get older, right? It's pretty cool. All right, so this is a pretty common one for us. 
girls' school versus co-ed. What is noteworthy about teaching in a community that recognizes and identifies gender bias? Sandra? I'll start again. Um, I have always been so impressed by the confidence that the students have. It is amazing the way they find their voice and the way they engage. I, they, I always find it amazing that they engage so well with us as adults too. You know, they're not they're not hesitant. They 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 feel safe. I think that's another big component. Um, there's no competition about or or really a need to impress um, or worry about what they look like necessarily in the morning. They they kind of roll out of bed, put on their uniform, hairs up in a bun, and you know just come as they are. And so that is, I think, something that encourages them to also feel safe and comfortable. And there's rarely a hesitancy to raise their hands in class. You know, they, they are very inquisitive and they, they just, they, I really see as they thrive um, at, an, at an all girls school. Melissa? Kind of building off the hand raising in class, I feel like we we have a culture here where there's really time to think during class. People aren't like racing to be the first one to get the answer out, calling out before they even get called on. It's really like we I feel like they listen to each other and they have time to think before they answer, which is great. Mabel, you want to add to that? Yeah, I also think that um, that one of the uh, best things about um, being in a girls' school or a girls' learning environment um, is the friendships and support system that one cultivates uh, in, in these very important formative years that last a lifetime. And there's something special about uh, 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 the friendship amongst girls, right? And having your friend hug you out when you're crying or upset or having a great day. Uh, I walk down the hallways and I hear so many, I love the, I love you, I love you, have a great day, you know, and it's, it's just very heartwarming and so necessary to build confidence and a sense of support in the world. Brett? Uh, yeah, I wanted to build off something Mabel said, but my, my initial response to this is always, um, it's everybody talks in an English classroom, which is such uh, a, a wonderful thing. And also I think really is so important when you look at the data of uh, how girls are seen in the classroom and you know called on less frequently. Um, but I also, I, I think there's this really wonderful soft, uh, or it's, it's not necessarily something that is articulated always, um, but I think when I talk to kids who come back from college, they all say, well, of course I went to be president in my, you know, fill in the blank club or program, because that was just the expectation is that, um, you know, girls are leaders and, and, and women are leaders and that, that they, they leave this school knowing that that is something that is just sort of the norm. And then they go on and lead and rule the world. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, next question. What is your role in helping students make choices, whether it's for classes, for clubs, for electives? You know, we talk about an environment that's challenging and supportive. How do we help them with that balance of student wellness and academic rigor? Kanichi. I think we have, uh, I, what, 
one thing that I left off of um, roles that I've um, filled on campus is I was a former grade level dean. And uh, in that role, I really got to participate in an incredible support system that we have on campus that involves um, our educational counseling services that um, together with the division directors forms a um, student support group. And they partner with uh, parents, students, teachers, advisors, grade level deans to really provide a system of support and a network that really looks out for students individually. And I think through that process, we, you know, we look out for students and help them to make those healthy choices and to, um, you know, if, if someone is experiencing difficulties in any aspect of their, of their life that might affect their academic performance, then we find ways to lessen that or mitigate that and um, do some goal setting with um, all of the folks in that network to help that student thrive in this environment. I, I would also say as a Dean, um, the student council has um, a way of, of coming together and making activities for the students. Um, on our community day, our very first or our second one, my student council um, made a whole morning of activities so that students would get to know each other better since we had a year of COVID. And um, they randomized groups. And for each activity, students were put in different groups so they'd get to know one another better. Um, and I thought that was also a really good uh, signal of, of just wellness because it was a way to take off some stress from the day and just have them do fun things in the morning and be able to, you know, they had a scavenger hunt and then they did some building activities. And so all of that really helped just sort of give the sense of well-being and getting to know each other. Yeah, go ahead, Mabel. And I think the other piece of that um, is that uh, we as a learning community uh, understand that people learn differently. And um, that doesn't mean that one level is more advanced than the other, uh, that there are different types of learning and different um, depths and extent. Uh, where of, of exploration into a particular subject, uh, also different interests in not just different subjects, but different aspects of the subject. So in the history department, for example, we have over the years increasingly diversified our curricul curriculum to offer very uh, sophisticated, rigorous, I guess, uh, classes that aren't necessarily all about a test, right? Uh, that they're all rigorous, but they all attend to different um, areas of history, different types of historical skills, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so it's kind of speaking, going back to what Sandra said about coming back to campus after having some time in distance learning, are there lessons you learned during our 15 months apart that you've incorporated into your teaching now that we're back on campus? Melissa. More aware than ever of how students need breaks and how sometimes just because I think I deliver information doesn't mean I did it in a way where they could take it in and like having patience and chances to kind of process. Really, just I think I'm just so aware of like how much 
it's affected them to not be in the classroom that I just am really trying to, you know, give them a chance to ease back into it without just expecting them to, to, do, to take an hour long lecture without any breaks or anything like that. I would also add that there were a couple of things that I set up to really try to, to connect with kids via Zoom that I have kept. So one of the things that uh, a few of us in the English department did was we came up with sort of small group learning pods that would sort of be together on Zoom. So they would be on a breakout room for you know four to six weeks. And that's something that I've kept with me now that we're back. So that especially with, with newer kids, so I teach ninth grade, so there's a lot of newer kids, it's an opportunity for them to meet new people, mix up with people that they may already know. And you also kind of get to know how to work with a group for a little while and then get to group move and, and start learning with a new group uh, when we start a new unit. Um, and I think the other thing that I did a lot on Zoom was I was much more intentional and, you know, I will say this, uh, a high, huge highlight to a lot of folks in our community who put together a summer professional development activities. Uh, Kenichi did a lot of that um, to, to um, really be intentional about checking in with kids at the beginning of classes. Um, so that's, you know, something like, let's just do a rosebud thorn or compliment and talk about something that's good in our lives or give somebody a compliment in our class. And that goes such a long way in building community within the small, the, the class itself um, and being intentional about setting those things. Because I think that, you know, at the heart of all of our classes, we want to have good connect, solid connections between the kids so that they can trust each other, so that they can grow together. Uh, and I think that I had to be more intentional about that over Zoom. And that's something that I've kept since we've been back. I would agree that the morning check-ins or the check-ins at the beginning of class have been much more thoughtful um, and much more intentional. Um, and again, something that I learned through um, that summer program um, that Kenichi was part of. And it, I think it's been wonderful. It's helped quite a bit. Nice. Okay, this is sort of in the weeds, not in the weeds, more nuts and bolts, I should say. As you plan your lessons, what role does homework play? Sandra? So homework for um, languages is always meant to help reinforce and practice um, outside of class. The homework in foreign languages or world languages is not um, significantly long, but just meant rather to be a practice of the lesson learned that day so that we can move on and they get a better grasp of it. And what about you, Melissa? I mean, definitely in math, it's, it reinforces how to solve problems. I have students who think they understand what's happening in class, but then they get stuck when they're solving step-by-step, step. especially in the regular level math classes, they really need that reinforcement. But I really, I try every year more and more to think about time and I'll say, you've been staring at it for 40 minutes and you're not done, send me an email, we should probably meet. I say that in all my classes all the time. That probably means they're just not really, haven't fully taken in the lesson. And you know, homework's not graded this year, but it's, I, I still got my students doing it because I keep, I put, I, I remind them, 
this is how you know how to do the test. This is what I am still paying attention to if you do your homework and they're motivated to do it to make sure they understand, which I think is the whole point of homework. So it's, I'm happy with how it's going. Good. Okay. Talking about our colleagues. Oh, I'm sorry, Mabel, you had one more thing you wanted to add? Oh, uh, just, you know, just homework in the history department. I think it's um, the purpose of homework in the uh, history department is necessary, not, uh, and most of it is reading homework. Again, there is definitely in attention pay paid to time and difficulty level across grade levels. Uh, but I think uh, reading homework is necessary because it um, helps cultivate, I mean, helps deliver not only content, but cultivates a very key uh, uh, humanities and social science skill, which is reading comprehension. Uh, and one of the things that we have done in this department is to practice that and model that for the students first in class, before they do it at home. Um, and it's something that they keep, we keep returning to throughout the year so that when they're at home reading their homework, they are not lost. Good. Okay, so let's talk about our colleagues. How do the educators in our community inspire you? And how does Marble support you with professional development? Kenichi. I love this question because I love my colleagues. Um, I So how do they inspire me? I am uh, fully excited by how much, like the veracity with which everyone in this community is just trying to get better at what they do, trying to improve. Everyone here is a great instructor, but I don't, we don't rest on that. We are always uh, participating in professional development, visiting each other's classes, seeing what other cool things colleagues are doing, having conversations, trying out new methods. And I, I learned so much uh, from the people around me. And I have colleagues who, you know, they send me inspirational notes about what they saw happening in my classroom or something, you know, I left something on the copy machine and they saw it and they thought that looked really great. Can you give me a copy? There's just so much um, engagement in this community and, and uh, intention and excellence. And I'm inspired by it every single day. Agree. Sandra. Oh, you're muted, Sandra. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I would just, add to what Kenichi said about that, that people really are motivated and are, are so um, just willing to do um, their best and really wanting to do the best for their students. But I would also say that the collaboration amongst teachers is really an important part of that. And I love being able to collaborate with my co-teachers or even when I'm teaching a class on my own, being able to just throw out an idea and see what people think and really getting great feedback. I think um, the feedback I've always gotten in all my years at Marlboro has always helped me grow as a teacher. And so I truly appreciate that. Um, I would also say that professional development, I think some of our best professional development opportunities have come from the school itself in the sense of workshops led by other teachers or faculty and staff. So I've always appreciated that as well. But of course, we've been given opportunities to go to outside workshops and conferences and also look at things that 
inspire us, not just necessarily related to our um, subject. So I, I've appreciated, you know, the fact that we have been given a wide range of professional development opportunities. Well done. How does Marlboro's vision statement, equity leads education and our schools diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives show up in our, in your curriculum and our curriculum and in the activities that you lead? Melissa? I think more than ever this year, it's just so apparent with incoming students, returning students, how they all had such different, you know, they've had such different experiences last couple of years. And so like I teach pre-algebra, which is a lot of the incoming seventh graders. And it's so apparent that, you know, they're not all on the same playing field right now. Some seem like they're totally ahead of the game and others are still struggling to get back into school mode. So really just making sure that they're all getting what they need and it's not just, okay, a third of the class gets it, let's move on. So trying to pay attention to everybody as best as I can, reach out. And um, it's, I'm just definitely, and kind of goes back to what I was saying about calling on people in class. I mean, I don't just call on the three people that are first to get their hands up that um, already maybe got it, but I'm just trying to kind of see what, where everyone's at as I go. Mabel? Sorry, okay. uh, just to add to that of what uh, uh, what that vision uh, statement looks like outside of the classroom. Um, one of the wonderful things about uh, the Marlboro community is the number of affinity groups we have and the very strong programming and support that we get in sustaining these groups. Uh, for example, East, as I said, it's the um, AAPI uh, student affinity group and it's at its um, you know, from the feedback I hear from students, it, it's, it provides a very important space for AAPI students to come together, meet, we meet uh, once every two weeks. Um, and we just, you know, sometimes there's programming, but sometimes it's just uh, uh, um, students hanging out in my classroom, having lunch. Um, perhaps talking about what it means to be AAPI student in a place like Marlboro, or just perhaps just talking about whatever they want to talk about. So I think that sense of community, uh, 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 communities within communities, I think it's, it's, it's very important. Michi? Yeah, I would like to add that um, that statement, what that statement means, I guess for me, is, is having that word equity at the front of your mind in every decision that you're making with regard to the student experience. So when we're thinking about it in the classroom, it's more about homework and tests and the way that your teaching and instruction is going on. But we're thinking about student experiences and 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 really the, in planning the student experiences, we're thinking about, well, is that student able to participate because, uh, or are they not able to participate because they take the bus home or they, um, they're in athletics or in performing arts? Uh, something like that is an example of how we just are always, um, when we're planning student experiences, we're thinking, is this equitable? Is this going to be something that's available to all? And if not, how do we make it so? Agreed. What about in your in your um, in your classroom lessons? Has anything changed in your department curriculums? Do you think, Brett? I could uh, jump in, and uh, I would say that the English department has always 
like learning how to be more equitable in in what we teach and how we teach it um, and what that looks like to me in my classroom is that we always are considering um, the voices that we are listening to uh, and the voices so for uh, to give an example so in 10th grade um, it's American lit and we start the unit start the year by reading the great Gatsby and we call it the the great American novel with a lot of quotation marks around it and we say you know to what extent is this great to what extent is this American um, whose voices are here whose voices are not here um, you know this was written a hundred years ago for whom was this written? Uh, what does it say to us now? Uh, and what does it mean uh, in the larger context of uh, America? And, and what is our relationship to that word? What does that, that mean to us? Uh, what does this text add to or challenge about uh, our relationship to that word? Uh, and so that's something that I try to always foreground in a lot of my classes um, and, and give us the space to explore um, those questions with each other. Brett, can I ask what, what continues on in American Lit then after The Great Gatsby? Yes, good. So uh, that's a great question. Uh, right after that, so that was written, you know, mid 1920s. What we do right after that is do a unit in the Harlem Renaissance. So we say, okay, same place. I actually take a map and I show them a map of New York and I say, okay, we were on Long Island here. Now we're going to go to Harlem see how close they are. Um, and these are the same voices that are, not same voices, excuse me. These are, these are the same era. Um, what is being um, communicated by these authors and artists um, here? What are, what, how are they in conversation with um, this novel? And what does that say to us now, uh, living in Los Angeles on the other side of the country in a hundred year years later? Cool. I love that, Brett. Thank you. I learned something about, uh, about that class. I know I've already um, spoke on this question, but you asked a follow-up about what um, equity leads education looks like in the classroom. And I wanted to share this because I think it's important for parents who have students who have maybe made a statement before or identified themselves as some, as a student who's maybe not a good test taker. They feel like they're not a good test taker or maybe they feel like I'm more creative and I'm not a science student. One thing that I uh, try to do in my um, science classes is uh, offer students multiple ways to demonstrate their understanding outside of taking a test. So what this looks like, for example, in my anatomy class is we have three units during a semester. In one unit, we take a traditional test with multiple choice and short answer. In um, another unit, we do a project assessment and then in the third unit, we do like a case study, which is more sort of like an essay or a report you might write as like a physician or something like that. So I um, tr try to do that so that students who feel like they have strengths in different areas have an opportunity to really shine through on a different type of assessment. I love that. Mabel, were you gonna say something? Did I, no, nope, I didn't know if you had your hand up before, okay. Perfect. Oh, that is so cool. I'm already, I'm learning so much. Okay. We've talked a little bit about Marlboro students. Some of us have been around for long enough to have Marlboro graduates come back and visit us. How would you describe our graduates? Melissa. 
I would just say, I'm just always amazed how connected they stay to one another. They'll show up in groups and I'll be like, oh my gosh, you guys are still friends. And they're like hanging out together before they come visit and social media, they're all having reunions and they just seem like they really keep caring about each other in the long run, which I just love that. Sandra. Um, one thing I always find interesting is how involved and engaged they are in their current community, whether that be college or even if they are working, they're still involved in some sort of maybe community service um, organization. Um, so, and I love the way that they keep in touch with us. They are, um, they, sometimes I'll get postcards from Spain. Sometimes I will get them coming to ask me if I can go out to have a coffee with them. And they, their Marble experience really has impacted them and they feel so um, connected to us. And I would also say a little grateful in a way for having that experience because they feel very prepared for college. I always get that comment. And so um, I love I love to hear that. Um, of course, not all of them come and not all of them stay in touch, but the ones that do are very much that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mabel? Yeah, just to add to what uh, uh, Sandra just said, I, I think that, I mean, I'm only in my fourth year here at Marlboro, but I, I even, I still I get emails from uh, seniors who have graduated uh, telling me about their uh, college experience and how much they are enjoying it. And uh, they always uh, say the same thing that they feel so prepared for college um, and that lessons learned and experience gained at Marlboro has helped them uh, to feel prepared for college. The other thing I wanted to add was that there are a large number of Marlboro graduates that actually come back and give back to the community. And then I think that speaks to the earlier question about um, the importance of um, a girls' uh, school, right? The girls' learning environment and the kind of networks that are built uh, uh, and the community that's built as a result of that. For example, we have a Marlboro, Marlboro graduate who um, made a documentary on the uh, Civil War and she, we're screening it for our 10th graders uh, in a few weeks and she is um, zooming in for a Q&A session following that screening. So that's just one example of how Marlboro graduates really do seek us out to ask how they can give back to the community. I love that. I hope I can come see that screening. That sounds cool. Okay, we're down to our last five minutes. So I have one more question. It's probably my favorite of the night. What excites you most about coming to school each day? Who's going to go first? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You raised your hand. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I love this, I, the kids. I mean, it's it's like when I think about all the things that I do and the really big conversations about, you know, what we get to do as a school, um, th there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens, but generally the best part of my day is the kids. And, you know, like I think about the 10th grade class that I had today where there's one student who every day comes in and writes a poll on the, um, on the whiteboard and today it was winter break or spring break and then kids vote. Um, and then we were talking about an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. So, a, a, you know, a st short story written in 1890 uh, and they were so engaged in pulling apart aspects of the story and, and sort of ended with this wonderful sort of 
note about what the author was trying to say in 1890, which is really wonderful. I mean, that's so long ago and, and they're trying to get at the authorial intent and, it, and they just, you know, we laughed along the way, so. Thanks, Brett. Okay, Sandra. Um, I would agree with Brett that um, students are really the best part of the day. And whether they're your current students or past students, um, you're always interacting with them and, and kind of checking in with them, seeing how they're doing. They always say hello to you. Also, I would add to that um, something about just the Marvel experience in itself. Whenever I need to solve some sort of problem, I can go to a group of students and say, what would you do? Or even my, my council, for example. And they really get together and think about it and we'll give you a solution to that problem. So for the day I was um, making the activities for that, or I was trying to create activities for the 10th graders this year, um, I found that just asking my council, what do you think would be a good idea? Well, they just took the lead and helped me, you know, plan that whole morning. And so it, it made my job a lot easier. And they actually came up with super creative and fun activities to do so. I see a pattern here, Melissa. I think I think I'm going to say my stu the students and my coworkers really both. I mean, I the students during the class periods and then the coworkers like around the edges of that because I feel like we just have so much fun on all at all times and um, I, I think just when I have a vibe in a class where we like for example, there's my pre-calculus class like they have this kind of way that they refer to challenging problems and it's like it's a really positive like it's a prank but like in a good way and and like yeah that was a prank and I got it then I, I kind of what they mean is that they they accomplished something challenging and just those kind of aha moments especially with kids that didn't think they were going to have an aha moment that's kind of the, the highlight of the day those kind of moments. Mabel? Yeah I, I, I wanted to ask answer this question because it's my favorite question especially after last year Right. Um, and this year, right, really makes me uh, think about this question a lot. And to add to what everybody's saying, uh, it's, it's the students and the rhythms of school, right? It's the energy, it's the vibe, it's the sounds of school. Um, and there's something life affirming about teaching in a community of young people who are learning, who are experiencing the world, who are figuring things out, uh, challenging things, hard things for the first time. And the delight they have in that learning is extremely nourishing for the soul. Kenichi, you gonna close us out? Sure, I will. Can you hear me? Something yeah. just happened. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I'll just sort of build off of what everyone is saying. I mean, let's face it, like every day is not rainbows and butterflies. You sometimes feel crummy, but here, because there's hundreds of people that are filled with positive energy, it's like almost impossible to maintain that and be a curmudgeon. So on the days that I have, you know, felt a bit crummy for whatever reason, you know, cause life, uh, you come into your classroom and then there's a kid who's drawing like a taco with legs on it with the funny quote and, <laughs> and you're just pulled out of it. So I, I'm, I get excited to come here just because I know that something good is around the corner. I love that. You're right. Something good is around the corner. And that is something that happens all the time at Marlboro. I think what we 
talked about last year, at least in my office, what we missed were the hallway conversations. So that idea of happiness coming around the corner is absolutely something that we appreciate. We're at our 45 minute mark. So thank you so much everybody for being with us. As I said, if you have a question that didn't get answered, admissions at marlboro.org is the way to find us. If it's something for a question for one of my colleagues, I will get th that email to them. Um, otherwise we'll, we'll manage it in our, in our office. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a heads up. We have an alumni webinar that's gonna be posted later this month and we'll be, you'll be receiving an invitation for that. We've invited some of our graduates from the last 15-ish years. And then we're also gonna have a webinar in December that talks specifically with our, um, about our financial aid program and how that works at Marlboro. So a reminder before I close is that yes, the application deadline isn't until January 5th. However, as soon as you know you wanna be in Marlboro's application pool, we wanna encourage you to apply so we can get you on campus for a group activity session or get you on screen for an interview. All right, thank you everybody. I see a lot of love in the chat. We hope you have a great night. We'll see you soon. Bye.